What do you know about this place? I know the Grunwalds are famous art collectors. What are you going to do? Don't know. Think of something. Yes? Oh, before time. Do you intend to leave us standing on the doorstep all day with drenched? Now look, that gun and caught a sniffle. Are you expected? Do not take that tone with me, my good man. Now battle off and tell Baron Brunwald that Lord Clarence MacDonald and his lovely assistant are here to view the tapestries. Tapestries? Dear me, the man is dense. This is a castle, isn't it? There are tapestries. This is a castle. And we have many tapestries. And if you are a Scottish lord, then I am Mickey Mouse. How dare he? Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. And I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're a podcast of Cracks Over Beer. We talk about some movies. Now, tonight, we end uh, 40th February, the, fe- the celebration of my 40th year on this planet. And so we're doing a couple movies from the year, lovely year of 1982. Tonight, we're finishing real strong, I think. And uh, two absolute fucking legendary classics, Blade Runner and The Thing. And then there is the other lesser known classic that i just made mike watch which is cat people <laughs> yeah uh i i don't know like <laughs> the best is if you people can see his face at the moment it just it makes it all worthwhile for me <laughs> i defeated <laughs> defeated i love it all right i've Before not been this i've not been this flabbergasted by one of Ross's choices in movies since we've watched Cool World. Yes. 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 <laughs> Similar themes, I will say. But before we get too far into it, we have to discuss what we're drinking. So, Mike, what do you have? All right. So, aside from like some bleach. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought, what better way? To finish off a month of celebrating Ross, then with Ross. Oh, he finally went to it. Yeah, I nice. was saving it. I was saving it for the last week. I'm drinking Ross Brewing Shrewsbury Lager, nice amber lager, five point two percent alcohol, and it is a very good amber lager. It's not doing anything too crazy, but amber lagers are one of my favorite kind of beers, so no complaints from me. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's that's all you really need from an amber lager. It just usually has to be like a good, easy drink. Like it doesn't need to be anything crazy. Yeah. Is it like a good like amber color too? I'm just drinking out of the can. Oh, so. you heathen. Cat people broke you, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, cat people <laughs> removed my will to go and get a cup. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. So and I went because that's what I usually do on our big months. And I get to a movie like a week where we're talking about some crazy shit. So I went back to old faithful ship on brewery and I was, I didn't have the chance to get down there this weekend because I think they released a new one, which was um, some kind of really cool, like cream ale. I forget exactly what it was called, but um, apparently it got released uh, this month, this weekend, but I went back to my favorite beer from them, which is blueberry bikini bottom wheat ale. 
I talked about it on the Angelina Jolie episode because it's got like a sexy lady on the front on the can art. Uh, and it's, I've talked about it before. It's just, it's usually in my beer fridge. So I didn't have to go too far to find it. And I just love it. It's 4.7% and it's just delicious. It's got like a little hint of blueberries. So it's not like overwhelming with it, but it's also not like that hard of a beer to drink. It's just, it's real easy wheat ale. It's just delicious. So now that Mike has taken a big drink, he's ready to discuss Paul Schrader's cat people. We're going to start off right off the bat. (laughs) We're just going to start right off the bat with it because Mike literally just finished it. (laughs) As promised, I I timed this movie to finish at approximately 745. And that gave me about 15 to 20-ish minutes to digest what I had just watched, and I did not have enough time to digest what I had just watched. I didn't do any notes. This is just pure, unadulterated, what the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's go through the list that I've done to you over the course of this podcast. Ricochet was the first one, but that's like unmitigated classic, right? There's like, thank God I watched it. So Ricochet was an unexpected greatness where it's like there's just like some bizarre things it's like that's an interesting choice but i like it right right then i think next was monkey shines no cool world was Was cool world next okay so then cool world was next and that was just well it's cool world (laughs) yeah cool world it's like i I just don't like cool. It's the World fever is dream the of a guy. The other movie we've talked about that has put me in the same headspace that Cat People has just put me in. It's it's an equally horny movie, but with a different edge to it. Like like the Pornhub section for Cool World is guys who want to fuck cartoons, not like yeah. watch cartoons fucking. No, they want to fuck cartoons. <laughs> and then I made you watch Monkey Shines, I know, which I also made was- Ray watch. <laughs> now monkey shines was another certifiable classic where we get to watch a monkey commit arson and outside of a uh a sex scene that i just never thought i would see in a movie that it like i wasn't like too bizarre by monkey shines i was like there's a monkey it's killing people it's committing arson what's not to like and we get like monkey cam too. We get the point yeah. of view of the monkey at times. Now, saying all that, leading into cat people, we have combinations of the two of all those movies. Ricochet, in the sense that how did this movie get made and not made, and how did people not see it? You know, <laughs> then there's the cool world with the horniness. Now, this movie is the horniest fucking movie out there, but like I said, instead of cool world, guys wanting to fuck cartoons. This one fir- falls firmly on like page one stepsister incest porn. It's right there. It's all it is. <laughs> yeah, like I really want to know. But actually, I really don't want to know what the person who wrote this is like. <laughs> right. Exactly. But then at one point in this movie, we get Catwoman Cam. <laughs> yeah. We get it from the point of view of a cat lady. <laughs> Not. I don't mean a lady who has a done bunch of cats. I mean a lady who turns into a cat. <laughs> Now, a couple things from this movie. A, you get uh, you get Malcolm McDowell, who at this age looks approximately like Ewan McGregor's older, creepy ass cousin. 
which yep. much like this movie looks like Black Panther's older creepy ass costume. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literal Black Panthers. Because <laughs> like you even get the ancestral plane scene and everything. <laughs> yep, it's the first thing you see. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird flashback that's like it's like it, it's like it's out of blade runner 2049 too because it's got that like orange dusty hue to it and all that we're in the middle of the like this sandstorm <laughs> but i'm like so what she has like her vision quest thing and she sees this tree with a bunch of panthers on it i'm like did black panther did, did, did the writer of black panther go Huh, I don't want my movie to be remembered anything like this one, but that, that scene with a bunch of panthers on a tree, that was pretty fucking cool. So let's do that shit. It's pure art. I have to put it in my movie. <laughs> let's just let's have T'Chaka be in um be in the land of the dead from cat people. <laughs> yeah, there is the best part. Okay, so I mean, just right off the bat, obviously, people have probably heard of. I mean, movie people, I'll say, have probably heard of the original. This is a remake. <laughs> a very loose remake, but it's a remake. Um, it's it's not as faithful as The Thing was that we'll talk about to its original source material. Because obviously the one, I think it's from 1942, I think is one the original Cat People is. It's, it's I'm clearly not as horny a movie as it was in 1982. But... Oddly enough, 40, 40 years later. But the best part about this is, is that someone saw this and was like, you know what? We need to make a movie about werecats. You know, instead of werewolves, we got werecats here. But what we're going to do is we're going to make the way they change into werecats, the rules around that. We're going to get rid of the full moon. Fuck a full moon. We don't need that. You have to have sex with someone that's not a family member. <laughs> That's how you become a cat bird. That's how you become a cat. Oh, and by the way, it's not voluntary until it is voluntary later in the movie. <laughs> it is the best. One of the better things about this movie is that the special effects in it are actually not bad. They're like then, thing level special effects. They're actually were, pretty good. There, if there were two things that I was going to say, yeah, this movie did pretty well. It was the, uh, like the practical effects look cool, Absolutely. and the sound, the uh, like the sound direction is actually really good. Yeah, 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 it is, and yeah, because there's a lot of like, there's a lot of um, like growling, like panther, big cat growls that are going, and you can tell that they're superimposed onto the screen or put into the movie, but there is. <laughs> there's a, a bunch of the scenes of the actual like panthers in this movie that you look at and you go what the hell were they doing to those cats to make that thing so pissed off yeah because <laughs> that is not a, an acting cat that cat is legitimately pissed you know <laughs> so i'm watching this movie and again i hadn't seen this movie in forever and but the last time I remember watching it, it was one of those late night situations, 2 a.m. Cinemax, something like that. And I put us all cat people, Malcolm McDowell. I was like, oh, I'll check it out, whatever. And it starts off with that first scene. I was like, interesting. And then Ed Begley Jr. gets his so the hooker gets eaten. Yeah. Now, my favorite part about that is she's going through. Now, you understand that Malcolm, she's called to this room. 
you're led to believe it's Malcolm McDowell who's called a hook or whatever, but he's not in the scene when she shows up in the room. So she starts giving him like the menu. She's like, oh, 25 bucks for a massage. She takes money out of his wallet because she thinks he's in the shower, all that. Like 25 bucks for a massage. You know, that's all you get though, blah, blah, blah. You can, we take credit cards and she rattles that off. Then she waits a minute. <laughs> all right, one of my favorite lines is she goes, actually, we will ta- take tips on Visa. <laughs> right, we don't take tips on Visa, but actually we will, yeah. <laughs> that's just a joke. But then you see this big like tail underneath the bed that she's sitting on. And this bed's got this like mucus and shit on it. She touches it and she's like, what the hell? Then the tail hits her a couple of times. And then, yeah, she gets attacked by a giant cat. Now she runs out in her lingerie. She is like Linda blaring it down the stairs on her yeah. stomach a little bit. She's not even like paralyzed or anything. She's not bleeding or anything. She's just weirdly crawling down the stairs. And then she hits the bottom, rolls on her back and her bra pops open it doesn't need to pop open there is no reason for it but all of a sudden this woman is topless in the movie and all, i was watching and i sat straight up and i was like you know what i am willing to watch another hour and 40 minutes of this i need to see where this is going and of course it went to a lot more nudity <laughs> now my initial response was hey that scene was actually pretty funny. I hope I get more funny. And as the movie goes on, I'm like, I just get more emotional damage. <laughs> more <laughs> horrifying scars. <laughs> now, we have, obviously, Natasha's Ken- Natasha Kensky is our main character. She's uh, Irina. And she spends, according to some creep on the internet, and it wasn't me, she spends 40% of this movie naked. <laughs> And it's mostly the second half of the movie because that's when she's discovering that, hey, she's a cat (laughs) and she likes to turn into a cat and she's kind of horny. But first half, she's got to be a virgin. And then she's got to be horny the second half, you know, because that's just the story that was written for some reason. I I think one of my favorite plot elements of the story is they have Malcolm McDowell, like, he's obsessed with big cats, and they think he stole the escaped cat. (laughs) They think he stole it and was, like, handling it because they know they found that he was raised around big cats. I'm I'm willing to bet if you told this, this takes place in New Orleans. If you told this police department that he was raised by big cats, no parents, just raised by big cats, they would probably believe it. <laughs> because when they get to this house, they go to the basement, there's like manacles and shackles and shit around a pile of dead skeleton body parts, all of this, like just meat from of ex-human beings. And the first thing they think of is, oh, he was feeding people to this cat. Now, what do they do after that? Do they go, A, look for Malcolm McDowell, B, maybe question some people some more, or C, immediately arrest the black woman in his house? (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's C. (laughs) They don't do any actual police work. They just immediately arrest his black housekeeper. (laughs) I'm really trying to... I was like, what the hell is going on here? There are more pressing matters than this woman. We got to figure some shit out and arresting her is not going to do it. It's so much. Like, the scene that's actually priceless is when Malcolm McDowell goes back and, uh, like, breaks into Arena's room and he's like, come sit next to me. Come on, sit, sit. 
that is right after he smashes through the window like a fucking vampire. <laughs> she jumps up on all fours on her bed, you know, like a cat. <laughs> and he's in this like long trench coat outfit. And yeah, it's so great. He kind of like moves around the room and he hops onto her bed. And he does like a little like pat the bed here, kitty, kitty kind of thing. <laughs> So now that's like, Malcolm McDowell right there. That is why you hire that man. <laughs> so this movie, it's like if you take Halle Berry's Catwoman, yes. add, add a, like a hint of scenes from Black Panther with the uh, with like the ancestral plane and some like actual stuff. mythology goes with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you add in Game of Thrones with sacrificing kids to White Walkers, as well as the horniness and nudity and the incest. And the incest. <laughs> Don't forget the incest between and brother incest. and sister. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's cat people. <laughs> See, that's how you that is. Cat that's people. cat people in a nutshell. Now, what you what you we'll find out if you actually jump in based off of that um that blurb on the back of the box if you jump in then you'll find that ed begler jr gets his arm ripped off in one of the funniest scenes i've ever seen in my life <laughs> he goes to cattle prod this leopard through the bars but for some reason they have to like strap the cattle prod to his arm and he sticks his whole arm into like this the cage no, that's not going to get your arm ripped off by this pissed off black big cat, you know? <laughs> that's also the, uh, now my other question with that is like, his arm wasn't all the way in. It was up to like his elbow in. But I love how the entire arm up to the shoulder gets ripped off. Pulled right off. Pulled right off. It's like he's a black knight in fucking Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> but the other fucking wild scene is the autopsy. The autopsy. Okay, let's discuss that autopsy scene for a second because now I watched this twice again for this move for this podcast. Really? Like, why? <laughs> because A, I have the trial to subscription to stars because of some other shit, and B, because why not? <laughs> now, that autopsy scene, there are obvious times where that is just a tranquilized big actual leopard. And they edited in scenes of like the close-up cuts. That's obviously a puppet that he's cutting into, mm -hmm. but then they'll go like to a wider shot and you don't see anything actually happening to the cat. You just see like over the shoulder of John Hurd. Oh yeah. By the way, John Hurd plays Oliver. You also, if you don't know the name, you may know him as Peter McAllister. <laughs> now he is a full eight years younger in this movie. And he is like, a, he's like a sexy dude in this. It's like, Oh, Okay. But he's kind of into having sex with uh, weird cat women. But anyway. Yeah. So, that's, the other thing, that's the other thing with Ewan McGregor bringing in. He's like, he's not in love with you. He's in love with the panther. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right, so, Ewan, Malcolm McDowell, not Malcolm Ewan McDowell. McGregor. I mean, it might as well be Ewan McGregor. He'd be just as good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but when they're doing that autopsy scene, it's almost like the scene in Jaws. <laughs> But done completely worse, you know, where he's just like, um, what's his name? Dreyfus is just cutting into the shark, pulling shit out, license plates and all that. But what we get instead is a big human hand that falls out. And it's supposed to be Malcolm McDowell because for some reason, when you transform into a leopard, I guess you just curl up inside of it and you still retain your humanness inside the leopard. <laughs> Why would his hand still be there? 
Or was that supposed to be Malcolm McDowell's hand, or was that supposed to be a hand of someone he ate? Well, that's the thing. I was also thinking, is it Ed Begley Jr.'s hand? And if so, where's the cattle prod? <laughs> because if he ate the full arm, he would have eaten the cattle prod too. <laughs> yeah. That, and then what was with the disintegration? Why why did the disintegration happen? Yes, it for some reason it disintegrates into this pile of like xenomorph blood. <laughs> but like it's throwing up yellow smoke. Why? It why never, did that happen? It never happens in the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's so great because the way that they can like the way that they signify that the human has turned into the big cat is by the like the mucusy crap left behind. They don't say what happens going the other way. Now it it definitely isn't it just dissolving into thin air, you know. Yeah. In fact, Malcolm McDowell at one point does turn back to from being a cat after this because that's the other thing. To get back from being a cat, you have to kill somebody, and that's how you become human again. Now, when he does come back after he kills, it's weird because he kills this blonde woman he meets at a at a um at a uh, at a cemetery. And again, now this is a great scene as well. Now this is where like all my fellow creeps will find this scene hilarious because it's naked Malcolm McDowell sitting on the side of the bed. The big boob blonde lady is sitting up in the bed, completely topless, just hanging out. And she's basically saying, it's okay, honey. Like he can't get it up or something. She's like, it's okay. It happens to guys. So then he's like, you know, it's just, I really like you and all that. Now he's completely naked sitting on the side of the bed. And then she kind of like does this, like lean in, go around the side. And she's like, mom will take care of it. And she starts going down on him. Now, the best part is while she's going down on him, you can clearly hear her say, now that's better. Oh, that's a lot better. Now in this movie, being that it's so horny and so ridiculous, I wish someone, maybe Malcolm McDowell would have been like, wait, 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 take two. Honey, sound like you have something in your mouth when you say that. <laughs> Just to make it that much better. So I'll be like, oh, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, oh that's better, yeah. <laughs> like, that would have just been amazing in this movie. If she's, like, eating, like, three hot dogs at one time trying to spit this line out. <laughs> but right after that scene he's we see him waking up naked on the bathroom floor he stands up and he's got like pieces of something on his stomach he pulls it off and eats it you can tell it's like deli ham or turkey or something but he eats it like a cat now when we first see him wake up he's also doing that like running in your sleep thing that dogs do now i've had cats my entire life i've never seen a cat do that Yeah, I've seen yeah. Cats twitch, but I've never seen them do the full-on run that like dogs do. <laughs> like, wait, Malcolm, you're not a werewolf, man. You're a cat man. <laughs> now, that was one thing that was going through my mind this entire movie. What animal could they have turned into that would have made this even like wilder? <laughs> it would have had to have been a bird of some kind. I was like thinking a, a meerkat. A meerkat would have been into. I would. I would have to be something that would involve them. Like if they oh, turn into like, otter. yeah, yeah. Or if they turn into like chickens, <laughs> something that ate in a very specific way. So like when they do it as humans, 
it would be absolutely hilarious. So like, the river like they put any food that they get on their chest and try to break it with a stone. Like crack it or something like that. Yeah, or like like a bird. They're just pecking at it, like real, yeah. like real quick and like looking around. <laughs> but there's there's another scene in this movie that goes nowhere as well. It's uh, Irina and Alice. Now Alice is. Alice is Oliver, John Hurd's uh, partner at the zoo. And she's also like alluded to be his girlfriend or yeah. his fuck buddy of some kind or ex or something. Either way, they've got some sort of relationship. And she's they, played they by make Annette. a love triangle with a cat and two people that work with cats. Right, exactly. <laughs> and she's played by Annette O'Toole. Now, they go to, they have like a little girl's night. Like, well, let's go get a drink after work because Arena's given a job at the gift shop at the zoo that they work at. They go out to the bar. Arena's getting hit on, hit on by these like 80s yuppie business guys. And Ed O'Toole walks up and kind of does like the kiss, kiss, bang, bang, like buzz, buzz, go away, fly or something like that. Yeah. And then she's sitting there, sitting there talking, whatever. Then we get this shot from behind them at a mirror that's behind the bar. Now, the mirror suddenly has this woman in between them. She's like this older woman in like a, like a fur hat and a fur coat. And she just goes staring at like daggers through arena. And she kind of goes up to her and she goes, mi hermana, mi hermana. And then just runs away. <laughs> she is a not Spanish and B yeah. never to return in this movie. <laughs> Nothing is made of her saying my sister in Spanish for some fucking weird reason. And then just running away into the night. <laughs> That's <laughs> that like, phenomenal. They never, even, <laughs> they never even say where the like the people that uh do they say where the people that Arena and Malcolm McDowell are descended from, like where they're like no, nope, but it's like ancient Egypt or something. <laughs> Based on, like I said, like the Blade Runner 2049 scene, it's somewhere in the desert. <laughs> you know, That's what, so they turned into Panthers. Where are Panthers native to? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, I think Panthers are like, the, they're jungle cats. I know that much. because they're, yeah, they're not desert cats. They're not fucking desert cats. Right, they're leopards. I mean, they're they're like melatonized leopards or something like that. Like, that's yeah. why they're so black. They're not fully black because if you look at them close, there is still a pattern to their fur, so they do still have spots. But yeah, they're jungle cats, you know. So they are in Asia, Africa, and the Americas. Great, we really narrowed that one down. <laughs> well, Af if anything, it could be a Northern Africa, probably somewhere, yeah. or it could be. I'm just going to go ahead and say Nevada because I think they got trees out there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they got deserts and trees out there. That's kind of works. <laughs> they got sacrificial trees you can put people on. There's kind of like a Southwest vibe. So maybe it's New Mexico. Who knows? <laughs> Who fucking knows what this? Because this whole thing takes place in New Orleans and not a single person in the movie you know, has a fucking accent. <laughs> yeah, that could actually work because like, I, there's a lot of myths around skinwalkers in like the deserts around Southern California, Nevada, and New Mexico. So right, right, yeah, that, it makes perfect sense. But yeah, I mean, just it's it's just so weird. It's so goddamn weird because it's, they put so much effort into the mythology that we do get that they leave out 
the biggest part is so insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, where do these people come from? Very simple answer that we never get. <laughs> Why do they only fuck their siblings? <laughs> Why is that? Well, how did how did that rule come about? I think they they at some point I think Malcolm McDowell tries to say something about keeping something pure or cats do it i don't know he tries to say something but it makes no sense yeah. <laughs> now one of the last things i'll say about this movie before we just move on because i can tell mike's like i need this gone for my brain <laughs> i need to discuss <laughs> something else <laughs> I, that was one of the other lines is where malcolm mcdowell's like oh yeah our parents were siblings you didn't know that <laughs> yeah so we so simple duh you moron how could you not know that we look so much alike <laughs> One of the best parts is at, towards the end of this movie, Arena uh, Natasha Kinski, Arena as Arena, is very much into the fact that yes, she's a horny werecat now, and she's out looking for she's out to kill. So she starts fucking with a netto tool. Now a netto tool, again, perfect movie for creeps. She gets topless and goes for a swim at the YMCA. It's not even really a YMCA. It's just like her friend's somehow like fitness center or whatever, but. She's swimming topless in the pool and she's kind of like being stalked by a cat. <laughs> you never see this cat. You just hear it. And suddenly arena shows up fully dressed and um, Alice's street clothes are shredded like a cat got to him. So after that though, she goes home and to Oliver's like shack in the middle of the bayou. And she tells John Hurd that she wants to be, she like seduces him, gets naked, seduces him up to the room. And her point is to get him to fuck her so she can turn into a cat forever. Now, she never explicitly says this to him. (laughs) She just says, set me free. That's all she says. He doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. (laughs) So So what does he do? He ties her down to the bed. Now, the way he ties her down, arms out. Okay, we're starting off good with the arms. The legs, on the other hand, are not even like, of football's width apart. <laughs> That's where he's got to get himself between in order to have sex with her because he ties her feet to the other bedpost. That That's my other question with this. So what what level of sexual, like what quantifies when they turn into a panther? Do they have to reach orgasm? Does simply a penis going in the vagina do it? Does right? Yeah. They again. These are things they thought so much about the mythology, but they didn't go into if he that. Went, if he went down on her and she orgasmed that way, would that constitute enough for her to change, or would it not? Because does it have to be penetration? You know, of of any kind, Can it be oral, <laughs> anal, vaginal, whatever it may be. You know, can she have webbed feet? You know, and he just fucks her toes. Like, what does that what mean? what if they're gay like what if <laughs> right yeah it's a, it, i guess it would have to be some sort of penetration i don't know but again they didn't go into it and i didn't that's i'm not that depraved to try to go to the depths of the internet to find the person who has tried to figure this out <laughs> so no i didn't go that far but the best part is he ties her down to have sex with her a she's willingly wanting to have sex with you dude you don't need to go this far all you need to do is have sex with her and then bolt because if you don't want to be around when she turns to a cat which by the way when it happens it's fucking amazing because the cat bursts through her head (laughs) in a phenomenal special effects sequence (laughs) now 
I thought Conan the Barbarian was going to deliver the strangest sex scene of this, uh, of this theme, and I was wrong. <laughs> because we're even going to talk next next about a man who fucks a robot, <laughs> and it's still not the weirdest thing. <laughs> Because this woman turns into a fucking panther, and then, spoiler alert for the twist ending, twist in quotes, she's now living as a cat in the zoo. <laughs> Why? How is that setting her free? <laughs> that is literally the opposite. <laughs> yeah. That is imprisoning her for life. <laughs> oh, no, my that's God. Now, uh, panthers have a much shorter lifespan than humans. Do they maintain the human lifespan? Or are people going to start wondering, hey, that panther is like 80. How is, how is that possible? <laughs> I remember seeing this panther here when I was four. I'm now 75 with my grandkids. What's going on here? <laughs> Why is that fucking panther still here? <laughs> it's the I'm same one. Fun. You haven't changed anything. <laughs> What happens when John Hurt dies? Does yeah. that mean cats like give him some sort of like where cats give him some sort of longevity? Is it kind of like a werewolf that can only be killed by a silver bullet? You know, that kind what of happens thing? if a Harambe situation happens? A kid falls in, she mauls the kid and turns into a person. They, they have to put her down because she mauled a kid that fell into her enclosure <laughs> and then she lives on as an internet meme. <laughs> Now that is truly setting her free. <laughs> God, I mean, oh, fuck. I love that this movie came out in 1982. We got to talk about it. It's so good. <laughs> now, that's a, my last question on it is like, they have to kill someone to go back. Now, say situation happens, they, he tears the arm off. Guy doesn't die. The guy, he... He's in the zoo for a while, but the guy eventually dies from complications from the injury that the panther caused. Does that constitute a killing for them to turn back? Right. Or, <laughs> or because he, he survives the attack but loses the arm. He just still survives, though. He's good. He doesn't bleed out like he does. And But he because he's so distraught because his favorite arm was his left arm and he was left-handed, can't do anything anymore, so he kills himself. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> or does that consider suicide taken away from you at that point? <laughs> Even though you drove kill, into like it. in Call of Duty, you don't <laughs> get the points for it. Right? Yes. Yeah. She she gets to talk as a cat now. <laughs> That's what comes back. Instead of becoming human, she just starts talking. <laughs> Which I was actually waiting for at one point. <laughs> I was waiting for some sort of like half transformation, which we kind of get during the full transformation of her. But I was waiting for that where she's like kind of half transforms and we just get her saying, like saying the word meow instead of like growling. <laughs> you end up with like a Halle Berry Catwoman situation. Yeah, she's like super good at basketball for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Cats are great at basketball. You didn't know that. You should have listened to our episode on Holly Berry because, I mean, we went into it. It's There's yeah. no question that that is the one thing people know about cats. Nine lives and they can dunk. <laughs> true. <laughs> so that's probably plenty on, um, on cat people. 
<laughs> so, Mike, how's your beer? I'm really enjoying it. It's a solid amber lager, easy to drink. Ross Brewing Company did a great job. How's the class action lawsuit against them for your name going? I mean, you know, lawyers, you know, they don't, they're <laughs> not, they're not willing to throw down frivolous lawsuits that are talking about things like proof and evidence. And I'm like, look, assholes. It's not bad enough that they just name themselves after me. It's the same thing I have the problem with Ross Dress for Less. You know, I've been trying to sue them for like 30 years now, and it's just not going anywhere. Fucking Guys, I've been trying to sue Jersey Mike's because clearly I am the first Mike from New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous how these people get this money, and we don't see dime one of it. I've had enough, America. I want my country back. <laughs> anyway <laughs> so but now my ship bottom blueberry bikini wheat whale is so awesome i love it and uh it's such an easy drink like i'm on number two and it's gonna go quick too it's it's my favorite thing like when i'm down at lbi i just want to sit on the back deck and like just drink all of them you know they're, they're just such an easy hanging out just chill drinking beer so good all right so on to the quote unquote real films <laughs> So let's get into Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Now he's fucking Ridley Scott and it's fucking Blade Runner. It's the greatest science fiction movie of all time in my eyes. And it's just phenomenal. I, I said it before when we had Jack on with uh, 2017 with Blade Runner 2049. I love this movie. It's like my fourth favorite movie of all time. It's It's amazing. I absolutely love it. I am not as high on this movie as Ross's. Because you're a goddamn I, heathen. <laughs> I really like the movie, but I think it's you're running into a similar problem as Outlaw Josie Wells. Certain scenes just go on for too goddamn long. Like having him run up the stairs in real time. Why? Why? There, there is fat to be trimmed here. Well, what what version did you watch? Because <laughs> there's famously like five different versions of this movie. Did you have a voiceover in yours? Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> this is where the problem begins because that version is the one that Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford have both said should be burned at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear in the voiceover because Harrison Ford did it like at gunpoint. He was like, I, he was adamant about not doing the voiceover. He's like, it's stupid. We don't need it. It's dumb. You're an asshole for making me do this. And I fucking hate you. That's why he sounds like he's falling asleep while he's doing it because he doesn't give two shits about it. <laughs> Whereas I watched the 4K final cut, which is like the definitive Ridley Scott, A-OK, this version is what I meant to put on screen. <laughs> I might so, have to, because I've seen a couple different of the versions, though I do think that a lot of that, like, I do think there's fat to be trimmed in it. There is, um, for a lot of the versions, uh, the regular standard theatrical version, I think is probably, I think that's what you watched, because I think that's the one with the voiceover. Um, how did yours have the unicorn dream? Yes. Okay. That's another one that in a, but a couple of the versions is like completely cut. Like all of the unicorns. I watched whatever, I, I watched whatever version was on HBO max. Okay. I, yeah. If it had the voiceover, I don't know what version that is, but I just know it. Cause I have the 4k. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, the unicorn from when I said, I think it's the unicorn and Edward James almost is origami is like, cut out of one version so like the symbolism yeah. is gone you know the symbolism of like 
the real and the myth and the fake like existing together and all that shit because this is a world where have you read the book the short story well the novella by uh, philip k dick do androids dream of electric sheep yeah it's called do androids dream of electric sheep and it's it's amazing it's not a one-to-one um this isn't a one-to-one faithful remake of that source material there is a lot taken um a lot different a lot of differences taken to it like for example roy batty is not the character that he is in this movie he's uh, and um rick deckard is not um he's not what harrison ford portrays him as he is a cop he is a blade runner he is in charge of administering void contests but he's not like he's not the version i watched is blade runner the final cut so okay so yeah that then it shouldn't have had the voiceover yeah, I think I was mistaken. I've seen the one with the voiceover before. Yeah. Okay, so the final cut is the same one I watched. So, yeah. but yeah, there there are some scenes, yeah, that could go on for long, but I couldn't care less because the score is so good. The score I mean, is phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> and so I guess this, but the other thing is the story is slightly convoluted to me. What, it, what, uh, what tripped you up? Is I guess character motivations like it seems like it's not necessarily the story is convoluted. It's that because there is like a mystery going on, characters act in ways the characters wouldn't normally act in order to prolong the mystery so that the so that like the what? movie doesn't wouldn't end prematurely. Like what? Um, like when Harrison Ford was talking to I think it was when he was talking to Rachel and she just kind of leaves and he doesn't follow her yeah there's it's a it's a lot of like there is a weird will they won't they kind of relationship yeah. between the two and of course they get together at the end but I think for some reason I want to say that Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford this is one of the movies where he kind of got his reputation. He doesn't have like a Chevy Chase reputation of being an asshole, but he's a very like grumpy dude sometimes. Yeah. And this is one of those movies that he was like an ultra grumpy dude in this movie because <coughs> he, <coughs> excuse me, because he and Sean Young hated each other filming this movie. They absolutely hated each other. And it's because this was Sean Young's like first big movie and he was Harrison Ford, <laughs> you know? And so there, so he's a very intense actor when he's doing the scenes, and since Ridley Scott is very much a kind of per, he's a perfectionist, a lot of that kind of bumped together with Harrison and Ridley. So Harrison was kind of like, kind of like you like you would be, you'd be on edge if you're trying to get shit done and your director's making it like just so. But it, him, he's also having to put up with like Sean Young like blowing her lines sometimes, and he was like, "Come on, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get it right. It's it's your job. Get it right." And she's like, well, I'm new, you know, it's, this isn't, I'm not Helen Solo asshole, you know, I'm yeah. Sean Young and this is my first big movie, <laughs> but the scene where well, they also, are, how old was Harrison Ford when he actually like broke out into acting? He was in his thirties, right? I think so. I think it was what American graffiti was his first role. And uh, like he was, I know he was younger in that. I would say he was in his twenties in that movie, but when uh but the scene with him and sean young when they're like fighting essentially like fight fucking basically like yeah. fight um uh um foreplay like when he shoves her against the wall 
her look of pain and fear is real because she didn't know she was going to do that that hard. And he shoved her real fucking hard because he was pissed at her. <laughs> so it's like, okay, some of this shit comes across. So there is a lot of like the chemistry there is not great. But then again, in my mind, it works because she's a fucking robot. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I think this movie does absolutely outstandingly is building a desolate yet still futuristic society. It's and I forget who I think it was for 2049. Someone described it, but it works for this as well. It's a future where Steve Jobs doesn't take over Apple and Steve Wozniak does. So it's function over style, you know, so things work the way they should, but don't look good. And that's why this is such a grimy world that you live in. Yet, for some reason, watching this, the like gross probably gives you disease and diarrhea noodle like bar that he goes to i need to go to a bar like that i need to order some grungy ass noodles from a shady asian dude and i need to eat them in between two robots you know and then i need edward james almost to walk up to me talking in some weird fucking made-up language and i need to just mysteriously walk off with my noodles and go kill some robots like it just has to happen that's a my only complaint is like the made up language. I just don't see the purpose of it in the movie. Well, it's supposed to be future stuff. You know, you yeah. can chalk that up to future stuff. You know, it's, and it's Edward James almost making that shit up. Like no one gave him that. They, he just came up with it. It's like a mix of all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. Now I do. I think Roy Batty is one of my all time favorite villains in a movie. R.I.P. Rucker Howard. He is so good in this movie. He is. He's so good. And you don't even question why for the final sequence of the movie he goes from fully clothed to just in his underwear <laughs> for no reason <laughs> absolutely no reason whatsoever <laughs> that's they uh <laughs> now some people might say he's overacting in this movie and i'm like he's acting just enough like he's like i need this character to be overacting yeah he's great and of course there's the legendary tears and rain speech at the end which he ad-libbed most of that and especially the tears and rain line and like you're watching you go holy shit this is just just some great fucking acting right here this is awesome you know that was one of my for the record harrison ford was 31 in american graffiti so yeah, he's, he's probably a little bit older. You know, tackle another 10 years, he's in his 40s in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> now, the other thing that I have, like, it's kind of a nitpicky complaint, but I felt like Roy Batty was such a good villain throughout the movie. And then for, like, a, just a sequence for the chase scene with him and Harrison Ford, he turns into, like, a generic horror villain who's toying with, like, that I didn't, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I like that. I, I do kind of like how it just becomes a weird horror movie kind of at the end of this. Like, like I said, like he's randomly naked, like half naked. He randomly punches his head through a wall for no fucking reason. <laughs> now, of course, like the, sig- the sign, because they have a four-year lifespan, these Nexus sixes, And like the sign is that his hand starts to claw, like to curl up and claw. So he jams a nail through it to open it back up. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were to jam a nail through my hand, it probably wouldn't close up definitely, but it wouldn't yeah. open back up if yeah. I were to jam it through, you know? But there's there's so much about then there's also the question of why um JF Sebastian's little friends that he created, like the little people, why the one has a weird like dildo nose. 
<laughs> like, what's he doing with that guy? <laughs> and why does he have like a speculum in his mouth? What is happening here? I do we need to know? Like, I know Pris is a pleasure bot, but she's probably creeped out by all of that. <laughs> and she's probably seen some shit no one should ever have to see. <laughs> the other thing is, is like with the pleasure bot, I'm like. Do they do they program fighting ability? Did they go to like like well, it's kind of like gymnastics um, ass fighting against? Well, it's kind of like Demolition Man when um when you're in the big ice cube, they they slip a talent in there like a hobby, and uh, Sylvester Stallone's um knitting. <laughs> so maybe when she gets made, they slip another talent in there, and it's gymnastics fighting. <laughs> it's Jim Cotta. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, Parker yeah, Howard doesn't have one. Maybe his is like speechifying because <laughs> he does have a few <laughs> little speeches here and there. <laughs> maybe he's really big. Maybe he's just been to be really eloquent. <laughs> now, one of my absolute favorite scenes in this movie is when Harrison Ford goes to confront uh, what's the other uh, girl that he's hunting's name? Snake Lady. Snake Lady. Yeah, yeah, I just call her Snake Lady. It's Zora, I think is her real name. I think is the character's name. But he goes to confront Zora, and he's acting like he's part of the union, and he's like, "We're gonna, we're gonna look and make sure no one has any holes to peep at you," as if she wasn't just on stage naked a minute ago. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's Zora. And uh, well, the best part is that's that's a weird um, Harrison yeah. Ford character trope because yeah. Han Solo does it when he's pretending to be a stormtrooper. In this, he obviously pretends to be the reporter for like not the really report, but like the um the guy for the uh the bureau, like a decency or whatever, a civil yeah. moral decency or whatever. And then Indiana Jones does it in Last Crusade when he's talking about the tapestries. <laughs> this is a castle. You have tapestries. Where are the tapestries? <laughs> Dressed like the like the French artist for some reason. Yeah, I was like that was, was my personal favorite. I think. That one's great. It's so great. But it's like, there's no real reason. But, the, well, I should say there's there's no real reason kind of in this movie for, because it's kind of out of character for Rick Decker to do it. But in the yeah. book, that's like what he does. Like, that's the way he kind of tricks these things. Like, he, mm-hmm. he pretends to put these characters on and then he kills them. That's how he does. That's how he gets in there and does his job. But yeah, there's no real reason. <laughs> it's it's a great scene because Ford sells it, but there really is no reason for him to act like this. <laughs> and of course, it is, you know, it is yet again, it's a great way to get a woman holding a snake topless, you know, <laughs> to then get take a shower and put on the weirdest chest shirt piece I've ever seen. Because <laughs> it's just like molded plastic. Yeah. It doesn't even strap. It just kind of hugs your body with like the blacker pieces off of the back of it. And that's it. <laughs> that's the future for you. Clear plastic is your clothing. <laughs> I also get bubbles for your uh, hair dryers. <laughs> the yes. bubbles that yes. go over your head as a hair dryer. Imagine that shit. But yeah, it's, I mean, this movie is, it's so good. It, the, the one thing, and it's, it's, if anything, it starts the cliche of the zoom and enhance yeah. Um, because I, and again, no matter how many times I'll say it, I'll never understand what his commands are to his computer. Cause he's like to 36 zoom five, whatever. And it's like, wait, 
And all the numbers that they show don't match what he said. So it's like, what the hell is going on here? And how is he zooming in on a little mirror in the back of this picture, blowing it up, and then able to pan to the left in the picture of something that's not really in the picture? You know, how does he see Zora sitting on the bed? It doesn't make any damn sense. Now, when I see that scene, I always think of Super Troopers. Of course. Of course. Enhance. (laughs) Enhance. 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 Just print the damn thing. (laughs) But yeah, oh man. But again, like we said, like the set design of this movie is so great. It's everything is so real. Like it doesn't feel like a set. It feels like they picked the dirtiest parts of San Francisco or where or LA or somewhere and just found the right lighting and threw a rain machine on. That's about it. But it's all sets and it was filmed in England. You know, it's it's all made up (laughs) in terms of two tropes with the future that I have an issue with. One, why does everyone think voice commands are like the way of the future? I fucking hate it. Like when I when someone is going, hey Siri, hey Siri, no, just it's easier to just fucking type. And when has Siri ever been right? <laughs> like the only time I use voice commands is if I'm in my car, I have my phone plugged in for Apple CarPlay, and I can change a song with my voice, so I don't have to be, you know, on my phone trying to change the song. Yeah, I do that with and now for me it's Android Auto and Android Auto and Auto and I the Google lady have a love-hate relationship because I love the fact that I can tell her for navigation where to go and she does it right away. Yeah. But yet if I need to send a text message with my voice, it's like the bitch speaks Mongolian and I don't. You know, it's like, <laughs> look, asshole, I'm just trying to tell my wife, yes, I'll stop at the store. And yet you, for some reason, only hear my radio in the background <laughs> and you're taking that. And then I have to yell at you and I have to see like a crazy person in my car. <laughs> but no, if I need to say, hey, send me to the Acme, navigation immediately comes right up. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Now, the other thing is kind of the set design. It's my one complaint about the set design, and it is the least believable thing in this movie. It's when they're panning through the whole big city, and they show the giant Coca-Cola thing. Like, the giant little Coca-Cola. Where the fuck are the other ads? Right? <laughs> there, there should be ads on every fucking building there. <laughs> right. That, yes. That, that it, by what we know of society yes that is absolutely <laughs> correct but hopefully the 19 the 2019 of this night of 1982 was a much simpler future <laughs> where only the coca-cola company had their product placement down now mike since we talk about south park all the time have you seen the newest pandemic special from south park i have so you know that they use the little asian lady taking the pill in the future for all of their advertising every time she popped up i laughed my ass off because it makes a no sense for her to be there but b makes perfect sense for her to be there it is so great (laughs) it's the exact footage too it's so good Although I will any day of the week take a giant Ana de Armas telling me what to do and selling me products over Asian lady. I love the Asian lady. She's awesome. But naked Ana de Armas, again, I'm a creep. I, that's what I need selling me products randomly in the middle of the street. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so that said, the, well, there is the best line to go out on a movie is it's too bad she won't live. But then again, 
who does and it's i was like you know what it's, it's kind of a great way to look at everything you know oh, did they, when was i want to i think i want to make sure i didn't miss you this when was roy batty born like what was his he it would have been uh i think they years. say but i think they say 2016 at some point could be yeah because this is supposed to be 2019 or 20 yeah which i'm like i when it only because I, I don't know why I was thinking I'm like, wouldn't this only be three years? Shouldn't he not be dying yet? Well, they do have um they do have their incept dates when they pop up in the beginning when um um uh Decker's getting like the briefing and they're yeah. showing the little like spinning heads of them because one of them, their um their creation date, uh or one of their dates is actually my birthday. <laughs> it's yeah. February 9th. And I was like, Oh shit, I think it's Zora actually. But yeah, it's. I think if you do look at that, I think their incept dates, their creation dates, do match up to whatever their lifestyle, their life uh, span is supposed to be. But um, because you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like Ridley Scott, you're such a perfectionist, but you miss that. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you pull that shit off? You know. Yeah. But all right, so that is probably enough for Blade Runner. So we can move on to our final beer check-in. Mike, how is your Ross brewing? I am about done two cans. I love a good amber, and Ross did a good job. Not you, Ross. Other Ross. The yeah, Ross. Of course, the of course Ross. other Ross. Yeah, but yeah, other Ross. Yeah, they're the other. That's right. They are the other. I was the original. It's going to be in the lawsuits. Fine. Don't worry about it. But, but again, ship on a brewery, the... Go-to classic for me, popping number three here. And I think it's the last one I actually have in my fridge of this. Blueberry Bikini Bottom Wheat Ale. It's so good. I love it. Just a real easy, chill beer to talk about people turning into cats, fucking their brothers. (laughs) Then, of course, we also get to talk about people turning into crazy, fucked up monsters. Because now we're talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. Which and this course, is my favorite movie of the week. It's so good. It is so good. In fact, and it's my favorite movie of the entire theme, I would say. It's it's so good. It's right up there with me. I mean, but the, the best part is about this movie, if you speak Norwegian, it's ruined immediately. Yeah. The, <laughs> what they say, the dog's not a dog. Or... It says, that's not a dog. That's an alien. Don't fucking, fucking kill it or something like that. Yeah. It's like, yep. There goes your whole mystery. If you happen to speak Norwegian sitting in this American movie theater in 1982. <laughs> because I think they do change the language in other countries. I think yeah. they change, like in Norway, it's like, it's like Finnish or something like that. <laughs> Which I'm like, Norway, if you only train your people to be better shots, then. <laughs> yeah, for one, okay, they should be better shots because this yeah. is only 1982. Now, I was watching the Winter Olympics have just happened. They have just ended. And it's not like anybody knows because no one fucking watches the Winter Olympics. But Norway won all of the medals. They won the most medals in the Winter Olympics. Their biggest, like, legendary sports are, like, alpine skiing, downhill skiing and then the biathlon where you have to ski and shoot a gun (laughs) so out in the snow shooting a gun should be second nature to these assholes (laughs) it was probably a sport offered in high school (laughs) 
What are oh, you man. Doing? How are you what missing is- this dog? It's literally stopping to look at you every 10 minutes. How are you not shooting it in the head? Uh, now, I, it's been a very long time since I've seen the prequel that came out in 2011. And that's the thing, though. They didn't they didn't market that thing as a prequel, though. Didn't they yeah. market it as like a remake that was yeah. like a sneaky prequel because it's about the Norwegian team or whatever? Like, isn't that what that how that ends? Like the dog yeah. running off or something? Yeah, that's so dumb. It's kind of it's 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 dumb, but it's not like they probably thought it was super clever. Whereas, yeah. like Final Destination Five being a surprise prequel to Final Destination was is like awesome. holy shit! It's like whoa, <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> you didn't even you hit that so well, but for this, it's like wait. You told me this was a remake. <laughs> what are you? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> now this movie. So, a Kurt Russell, best hair and beard movies I've ever seen. <laughs> and and hat that and hat, hat that he wears that like prospectors hat that he wears <laughs> is amazing too. <laughs> that, so going into this, like. I love everything about this movie. It's my, I would say it's probably my second favorite horror movie of all time. What's number one, Monkey Shines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, number one is the, the Evil Dead. The Evil Dead 2. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I will say this is a better movie than Evil Dead 2. I just happen to enjoy the comedy in Evil Dead 2. <laughs> yeah, not too much of that going on here. There is, there is only one... And I don't know if it's purposely comedic or accidentally comedic. It's when the head tries to like casually walk out of yeah. the room and they kind of turn and they go, what the fuck? <laughs> I think one of the characters literally says, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> now, one of the best things about this movie is it's kind of like you get some of the best body horror in any movie. But it's yeah. almost a slow burn. Like it's it is. Like it absolutely is, yeah. Like the dog killing the other dogs was like happens early-ish. You but you don't get another scene like that until uh they, they think the guy has a heart attack and his chest opens up and bites the guy's arms off. Yeah, man. That's well, that's the thing with the dog in this. You get some great dog acting in this. Like that yeah. dog staring at the wall in the middle of that room is so creepy. So creepy. It's like it's like watching this movie, it's like you know that he's looking at his trainer. You yeah. know that that's what he's doing. But when you put yourself in the realm of the movie, you're like, oh God, there is no fucking way I am not like going in there. I'm just not doing it. I'll shoot all of those dogs. <laughs> I don't care. That dog sitting like that is not right. <laughs> that should not be happening. <laughs> but you get, so obviously Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is, yeah. as McCree knocks it out of the park. He's phenomenal. So good. And then of course, Mike, who is the other best actor in this movie? Keith David. You're damn right he is. <laughs> and of course, there's Wilford Brimley looking nothing like Wilford Brimley, but sounding like Wilford Brimley because you can't yeah. you can't fix that. <laughs> but that man without a mustache, that unrecognizable. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep telling myself that's Wilford Brimley you're looking at right there. But Keith David, 
my god him and john carper make some great fucking movies this and they live he is so good and they live and the fact that he is in one of the best fight scenes in all of movie history and they live and he doesn't really get to do that in this it's kind of annoying because <laughs> it's like he's so good as childs in this movie he's so good and one of my favorite scenes involves him doing literally nothing but laying on a bed in like his long johns and re- casually reaching for a joint <laughs> yeah he just casually reaches for it i was like that's that i feel like that's just keith david not realizing they're on camera he <laughs> just kind of be like yo man pass it over <laughs> and carpenter was like you know what I'm just going to roll it. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Now, a funny thing I didn't even notice until I watched that. I like, I like a dead meat podcast. Yes. The kill counts. If you have you seen new scream, I have not. They're in that. (laughs) They (laughs) They play a little role in that. It's pretty great. I kind of want to see like, like the outtake, like the full clip of what they are, because they're reviewing Stab Eight in that movie, yeah. and it's—I won't give it away if you haven't seen it, but it's a great scene with them in it. Yeah, they're—they're they're really good. <laughs> now they pointed out that you have Mac or McCready, McCready, and Windows. Yes. So you have Mac and Windows yes. before Mac and Windows exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before that whole thing blew up and windows is named that because of his glasses because <laughs> yeah. every time there's a character that has glasses that's that's that every nickname comes from the glasses yeah it's either windows or four eyes it's the only thing you ever tell anybody that has glasses it's all you can say probably well for yeah. took his off i mean no you, you get you get squints too squints that's right <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, yeah, no one's calling them uh, astigmatism or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think they should. <laughs> That's not right. Astigmatism is much better. It's like, yo, Stig, what's up? It's like, why are you calling that? Astigmatism. Wow, that's kind of fucked up, but I like it. <laughs> it's original. <laughs> You're damn right it is. <laughs> but one of my favorite things about this movie is just why does this group of scientists, and I, I think I know the practical reason for it, why do they have a flamethrower? <laughs> I mean, yes, they're in Antarctica. They probably have to clear off ice or something really fast. But why do they have a flamethrower? <laughs> yeah, you know, they'd be in a lot worse of a situation if they didn't. You're damn right they would be. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things about this is I love that there's just like a workshop with a fucking space. <laughs> with a... Yeah. There's so many things in this movie. A- there's a barn (laughs) there's a barn with like hay and like a bunch of different dogs a the other dog acting not so great because they're all just laying on their sides i'm sure that they it's 1982 i'm sure something horrifying had to happen to those dogs to get them just to lay down like that just kind of like that like the cats and cat people Peta was not present for the filming of these things so the one dog was probably super well trained the others probably not so much but there's a barn and then like you said there's a well there's a flamethrower then like you said mike yes there's for some reason an entire underground dwelling where a spaceship can be built (laughs) how is it an arctica ice (laughs) don't you have to drill into ice and clear all this shit out to get this like underground cavern that he that brimble's been making this spaceship in Now, the best part is he takes the entire generator from the entire, like, like plant and puts it in this thing. And I love the best line is, it's like, the generator is gone. What do you mean? 
it's gone. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not there. <laughs> it's like, are you fucking shitting me? What are we doing? And then, of course, there's the blood test scene, which uh, one of the best scenes in movie history. It's just amazing. It's so tense. It's so tense watching that. You're like, oh shit, who's gonna who's it gonna be? Like, who is it gonna be? When you find out that the guy he shot in the head was just human that is even better because then Dave, keith david's got the line he's like congratulations mccready you're a murderer yeah <laughs> it's like wow he's like, he's like, i guess that makes you a murderer doesn't it yeah i mean in that situation though do you really feel guilt about that no because you're all either going to be assimilated into this alien or you're going to be killed you know it doesn't really matter at that point I my favorite line in the whole movie he's like I know you gentlemen have been through a lot but when you find the time I'd rather not spend the rest of winter tied to this fucking couch right that's <laughs> <laughs> such a great line and that dude that dude's such a great character actor too like he's one of those guys where it's like oh hey that's that guy <laughs> you know yeah. it's like, I've seen him and stuff but I could for the life of me never know his name or other movies he's been in <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's this movie it's it's so great because again Wilford Brimley just amazing and then like the practical makeup effects the dude that did the makeup on this movie was 22 years old 22 and they were like you know what you're in charge do it and he came up with some of the most memorable practical makeup effects anyone's ever put the film like david cronenberg looks at that shit and goes you know what i can learn a thing or two from this guy and that dude was the king of body horror yeah, <laughs> yeah and like some of the body horror in this like it is the most iconic body horror you could think of yeah i am not a body horror guy that stuff always it creeps me out i just hate it i don't know why it's i can watch again i can watch people you know get mangled in all sorts of ways but when things start to grow where they're not supposed to when it looks wet when it looks slimy it's like ah no i can't i can't do it like i can watch a full movie where a man and a, a boy, a man, and a, a woman, or brother and sister talking about being ancient werecats fucking each other for survival. I can watch that shit on my head. But if you turn that little head into a spider crab creature, I'm like, I'm skeeved out. I'm like, oh, come on, come on. <laughs> and even when it's like <laughs> casually walking out the door, it's like, I'm not really laughing, but if I am, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is just gross. Ew! <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> now, I will say the the blood scene again. It always reminds me of the South Park scene where they're trying to figure out who has lice. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And Kyle's like, Cartman, you saw this in the thing. You didn't. He's like, this isn't scientific. And then like. Cartman's like, no, it'll jump out of the, it'll jump out of the, uh, the petri dish. So Cartman touches Kenny's thing and like flings it up, and all the other kids are like, whoa, <laughs> right? <laughs> and yeah, just so, just for clarity, Rob Botton is the guy's name that came up with all this. He was twenty-two. Now, it's but now with the blood test scene, again, it's a, it's a thing like where they take the scalpel and they're cutting 
into their thumbs and fingers. Do, do you really need to cut into the finger? I mean, there's a lot of blood in those petri dishes. <laughs> there's a lot of blood in there. Yeah. You don't need that much. <laughs> it's just blood. And apparently, if your theory is correct, Kurt Russell, it will immediately react. So you don't necessarily need a pint. <laughs> you, yeah. know? you just need a couple drops, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's, and then now the monster itself is so fucking terrifying because of like even a drop of its blood will uh, cause you to become it and that and it's not the same thing twice like it's always different every time because it's supposed to be assimilating these creatures and just like the different looks you get like after like with the many dogs in it or with the many people and when it just pulls its tentacles out and starts grabbing that one guy on the chair and like sucking him dry, essentially, like when he's like blood in the chair, it's like, holy shit. Someone really like, it's, it's amazing. And it's awesome to know that someone put the time to be like, Hey, let's not come up with one creature. Let's come up with everything, you know, anything goes, anything goes, but at the same time, it's also good because you know, it's Carpenter on a budget. And he's like, look, we can't make the same thing all the time. It's going to cost money. We just got to come up with something on the fly and it's just got to look creepy. So Botten was like, you know what? I can do that shit. <laughs> and it's great because they didn't try to give you like an iconic look of the thing, but in doing different ones, they gave you an iconic look of the thing. And it's yeah. amazing. It's so good. That's- and then of course, it's just the general idea of the movie of the, one of us could be an alien. One of us is fucked the paranoia and all that. And of course it's 1982. It's clearly like an AIDS allegory. But if you look at 2020, it's definitely a COVID allegory. <laughs> it's like, who's got yeah. COVID? Are you caught? Why are you coughing like that? Holy shit. You've got COVID. <laughs> Stick Kill him. Right up your nose. Right. Hit him with fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hit him with a flamethrower. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. But. And then the atmosphere of the movie, like just the the isolation of it and everything, it, it just all culminates into a perfect thriller. And the best thing is, like we talk about the score with Blade Runner, how it's so iconic and amazing and awesome. There are so many lengths and stretches of this movie where there is no music. And it's just yeah. the isolation of Antarctica and the desolation and the claustrophobia of it. And you're like... Holy shit! It, it just this is just a masterpiece in filmmaking because it shows you that you don't need to fill a scene with everything. The basics of just the person moving in silence will be enough because it's terrifying and you don't know what's going to happen because literally, as you've established, anyone could be this monster <laughs> and you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> now, here's something funny that I kind of thought of: the creature. Probably never assimilated a uh, appendix. <laughs> An appendix? Yeah. Because you're you're just assuming that all these guys had appendicitis and had their appendixes removed. I don't know how true it is, but to work in Antarctica, I think you need to have had your appendix removed because if you get appendicitis while there, it would probably take too long to get you treatment. That a. Yes, I would have never thought of that. B, that's the craziest goddamn thing I've ever heard. 
<laughs> because there's clearly one of these men is a doctor. Like yeah. Brimley and the other guy is one of them's a doctor, so it wouldn't matter for these guys. Like their shit could be taken out, you know. But, but I don't know if they have the equipment to do I, so. I mean, are, it's really it's 1982. Are they gonna bother with the equipment? He's doing an autopsy in bare hands. <laughs> He's not sanitizing anything. <laughs> They're not worried about that at this point. Like, if in the middle of all of this, and Keith David goes, my fucking appendix, it's going to burst, and they would absolutely cut him open, barehanded with a knife, and just get it out of there. And then he would die of sepsis instead, shock instead of appendicitis. What would you rather that or be assimilated into this creature? Fair. (laughs) Well, that's, and that's the thing. Speaking of that, at the very end, and spoilers, because we do this for everything, it's down to McCready and Childs. They're the only two left. Now, the big debate about among people who debate these things are who was left, which one of them was the thing at the end. And watching the movie, it's pretty obvious that it was definitely Keith David. Yeah. And John Carpenter's been like, yeah, it was fucking Keith David. Watch the movie. He's not breathing. <laughs> and then when you watch it, you're like, holy shit. Keith David is not exhaling at all, air at all in that scene. Kurt Russell, though, on the other hand, is like covered in his own steam breath coming out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like he's smoking a cigar. (laughs) So, yeah, that makes sense because they've established earlier in the movie that those things don't breathe. (laughs) So it's like almost like a throwaway line. And it's that's what makes this thing so good that a little line like that, they're not holding your hand. And again, this is 1982 filmmaking. This is not 2020, where literally every twist in a movie is just choreographed, telegraphed, and held. Like they hold your hand through everything. They explain it for the morons in Kansas. You know, that's all it is. Apologies to our Kansas listeners. But it, when 1982, John Carpenter was like, you know what? I'm going to make this movie and people can think what they want about it. They can figure out their own shit. And I'm going to put this little line. That when you're assimilated, you don't breathe. So right there, it's like, hey, he's not breathing, but he's not dead. You know, he's he's a thing. <laughs> so when Keith David is not exhaling at the end, you know exactly who it is. <laughs> but and he's not saying. There's also the uh, the thing where, like, oh, did he pour the gasoline in his cup? Right. All of that. I mean, it's it's just these little things, and it's so great about all of these movies that we've talked about. There are so many parts of it where you go, this movie wouldn't be made this way today. It just wouldn't be. 40 years of filmmaking has gone by, and there's somehow been just this downhill slide for a lot of this shit, where at some point, we started holding the audience's hand and saying, hey, look, this is what it's supposed to be. Wink, wink. You get this. Do you get this reference? Okay, we'll literally have the character make a reference saying, well, that's that. Or, hey, now that happened. That's a joke. In most movies nowadays, the character saying, well, that happened is a punchline. It's like, are yeah. you fucking kidding me? You know? Whereas in 1982, watching these movies in Night Shift, nothing in that movie involves Michael Keaton looking at the audience and going, did you get that joke? Huh? That was the joke. You know, he just says shit. And it's like, it's funny. It's just funny. You know, we're not, we're not explaining a goddamn thing here. And then with the thing, even Blade Runner and especially cat people, we're not explaining shit. (laughs) You either get it or you don't. (laughs) I really need to wipe 
cat people from my memory. You need to watch it more. <laughs> oh, but I can confirm that you are not allowed to work in Antarctica unless you have your wisdom teeth and appendix removed because they will oh, perform really? surgery. Wisdom <laughs> teeth too. So the thing never assimilated wisdom teeth or an appendix. Wow. <laughs> I bet I wonder if John Carpenter knows that. <laughs> I wonder if he knows that at all. Because that's wow. <laughs> that's that's like legitimately kind of blowing my mind around. I was like, wow, I did not know. I mean, obviously, you have to think about that if because who's that one guy that got that rule made? <laughs> who's the one guy, or maybe two? I'll give him, I'll give him the two. I'll say it wasn't one unlucky bastard. <laughs> I'll say the it was two, two way, The funniest way that that story could have ended is like the thing somehow, like a piece of it escapes, goes assimilate someone with an appendix, and then it dies of appendicitis. <laughs> <laughs> That would be great. That's the one way you defeat the thing is by having an appendix and like having it burst while being assimilated. Total war of the world's move. They can't deal with the germs. He can't deal with an appendix. Right. That would be, oh, that would be so good. How'd the thing die? His wisdom tooth got infected. It got impacted and he just, he just couldn't hack it anymore. He was dead. It was so weird. (laughs) But yeah, that would, oh God, that would be amazing. That's what brought down this like advanced shape shifting alien. <laughs> A weird humans only like condition. <laughs> appendicitis, man. Fucking appendicitis. Yeah. So that's enough on the thing. And that ends our 40th February. It's It's been a great birthday month for me. I, I highly appreciate this month. It was great reliving some classics of 1982, the year of my I, birth. I think it culminated in Ross knowing he emotionally scarred me. And that is the greatest gift I got all year. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave it to myself. <laughs> But yes, yes, knowing that there's another movie that Mike can add to his list of reasons when he finally snaps and kills me. <laughs> I I am I am perfectly fine with it being on there like that. I love it. So, Mike, until next week when we start a new theme, where can people find us on the internet? You can find us on social media at Happy Hour Things Podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Go give us a like, follow, shoot us a message. You want to talk to Ross, go to Facebook. Want to talk to me, go to Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcast from at Happy Hour Films Podcast. But if you're listening, you probably already know that. So, yeah. So tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> tell your friends that's where you can find us. And, uh, all right, so 40th February, officially over. It's a sad time for us all because now we have to go back to uh, regular stuff, I guess we'll say. Another, a different theme. Now, this is, I'll give him credit because this is Mike's theme, but I'm going to also give myself credit because I think subliminally I gave you this idea a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> because a few years ago on Facebook, I decided, because I hate myself, I was going to do a New Year's resolution where I was going to watch 52 movies once a week, one movie a week, for an entire year of movies that were under 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And a couple of these movies I actually did. So we're going to redo them. And I just want to, because I want Mike to experience them as well. But Mike had the idea that we're going to go, let's do a month of movies that are under 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And we definitely pick some, uh, some real trash, <laughs> but some also 
I, I I know for a fact a few of these are just great trash. Like they are yeah. they're fun, terrible movies to watch. <laughs> there are at least four movies on this list that I actually love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There there's so many good ones. And one of which is a sequel, two of which are sequels to movies we've already talked about. Um, one of which involves Dennis Rodman, <laughs> which I am excited to rewatch because I have not seen the movie in question in a while. But um What's on? There's another. There's another sequel. It's actually a a fourth quill. It's the fourth in a series of a movie that we've already talked about. We uh, got four sequels on here. Yeah, yeah, we do, and one of which is the fourth sequel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then we talk. We're going to talk about David Spade a little bit. We're going to talk about Paulie Shore a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a movie that. We're going to talk about another horny-ass movie. Maybe I'll get it out of the way. We'll get it out of the way in the first week so we can back-to-back Mike on the creepy, horny movies. But um, Bo Derek's involved, if anybody wants to put those two together in an internet sleuthing. But, um, yeah, there's some good stuff involved. Uh, we haven't quite put the schedule yet, so we don't know quite what we'll be talking about next week. But uh, maybe the one that I just mentioned will probably pop up. But either way, we'll try to figure it out. So You're going to see a very young Adam Brody at some point. <laughs> Yes, we are. And uh, it's going to be amazing. And uh, we already talked about him recently. We talked about Ready or Not. So uh, we'll see what goes on. But until next time, when we discuss some shit, just garbage movies, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long. <laughs>